Welcome back. Hour number two of the Bill Michael Show. It's good to have you. Good to have you. 877-867-1670. 877-867. That's the phone number to get a hold of us. Uh, once we open the phone lines back up right now, though, we bring in our guy, Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield. You can find him over there on Twitter as well. Mark, uh, we got all kinds of excitement now in Packerland because some people are starting to become believers. Others are saying, wait until they get past the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we're waiting to see if the, uh, the the Washington Commanders are going to lose one more. But give me your thoughts because there is this sentimentality that the Packers are screwing things up if they actually make it to the postseason. I don't necessarily see it. I understand some of the logic, but uh, I think it's kind of weak for fans to root for your team not to make it to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look around the NFC right now, Bill, this might be the kind of year to just get it and give yourself a puncher's chance. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, obviously, we were talking about how the Philadelphia Eagles are the most complete team in football. They can beat you a bunch of different ways. They're figuring out things on the defensive side of the ball, particularly up front with slowing down and stopping the run, getting Jordan Davis back. But now, you know, with Jalen Hurts and the shoulder injury, you're seeing some reports today that, you know, maybe they do shut him down and they bring him back for their first playoff game, whether that's wildcard weekend or if they do indeed get the top overall seed. Who knows what Hurts looks like when he comes back? So much of what they do offensively starts with him both in the run game and the passing game. You know, you look down the other list of contenders, you know, whether it's Dallas, their offense seems to be clicking a little bit better right now, but their defense has given up some plays over the past couple of weeks. So you wonder how strong they are top to bottom. You know, Minnesota, we've talked about them since the summer bill and some weeks they look great. Some weeks they sort of leave your head in. What version of the Vikings are you going to see started this week? Obviously, Against Green Bay, San Francisco, top defense in the league. Yes, they got certainly have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but you're doing it with a rookie quarterback who is the last player drafted. So given that the NFC is wide open, when you have a team like the Packers, it seems to be clicking on the offensive side of the ball. Watching that game against Miami, you know, you're seeing Aaron Rodgers sort of feeling it again, making some throws off platform, flicking the wrist and putting the ball wherever he wants. The defense was disruptive at times. Started up front, why it looked good with some, you know, pressure and some production uh, up front for this defense. Obviously, the turnovers at the end of the game, and you know, maybe Tua and his health had something to do with that. But with how the NFC seems to be wide open, at least right now, it seems to me this is the year that hey, find a way to get in, give yourself a puncher's chance. Maybe you can make a deep run because if you're putting it together at the right time and starting to play your best football as December turns to January, it's not a bad time to try to make that run. The, uh, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles and, and shutting down Jalen Hurts until the first game uh, of the postseason. Uh, you know, for the uh, shoulder injury that he has, first of all, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, if he can come back fresh and his legs are fresh and such, he, he becomes almost just, uh, you know, you would assume unstoppable if he's got fresh legs, for God's sakes, because the guy runs all over the place. But the question is, how much rust? How, how Is there statistics to sit there and say, you know what, if you shut a guy down for three, four, five weeks and then all of a sudden throw him, into the mix of the postseason, is that detrimental? Should should guys play that last game before they, you know, take some time off going into the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen sort of a study on it. I'm sure that somebody's done it, or if not, you could probably put one together about, you know, sitting players down, resting starters, you know, resting them, whether it's for one week and you have to play wild card weekend or maybe two weeks, you know, if you've got to buy. Obviously, in this case with Hurts, it'd be five weeks from what he last played against the Bears until their division around game should that the Eagles end up with the bye. And 
you know, the top overall seed in the NFC. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there have been some teams where it's worked for them. I'm sure there have been some quarterbacks where that rust was a factor and it took them a while to get back into the flow of the game. And when you're talking about playoff football, if you don't sort of start moving and clicking, say, until late second quarter, early third, it might be too late then. And so I, dependent on where he is health-wise, obviously that's the primary concern, but they might want to run him out there for a drive or two, even if it's just week 18, you know, just to sort of get him back into the flow of things because, you know, that's an offense that, again, starts with Jalen Hurts both as a runner and a thrower. And if you can sort of knock that rust off a little bit, you know, give him the sort of opportunity to prepare for a game, take those snaps, get his legs wet a little bit, and then, you know, shut him down and make sure that he's ready to go come playoff time, it's probably the smart approach. But it will all depend on that shoulder injury because, you know, when you have that sort of shoulder joint injury, you know, that's not something that goes away easily, you know. And if he takes a hit, you know, if you get some wear and tear on that again, it could be something that lingers. And so they're going to have to handle it from a medical approach in the best way possible for him, both for the short and the long term. Uh, I want to go back to the Packer game on Sunday because the argument, speaking of quarterbacks that are banged up, Tua comes in on Monday and says uh, he has a concussion. Uh, we believe it happened midway through the second quarter, not quite sure. Everybody's done the comparison of numbers and such, uh, his statistics, throwing the ball, three interceptions late in the game. Uh, the one thing I will say is the Packers did make a couple of adjustments that were noticeable in that game. They began to stuff the run. They concentrated on Mostert. Uh, they did make some adjustments in the secondary as well. Did Tua throw that game away, though, or did the Packers just play better down in Miami? I think it's more that the Packers played better. And, you know, watching Tua on Sunday, rewatching that game well, you know, earlier this week, and I took another look at it this morning before coming on, you could tell that the pressure was starting to sort of get to him. He was making a lot, you know, this is an offense that does a very good job at scheming some things open for him, giving him some defined reads, but he was even speeding himself up a little bit more in that second half. You know, I think it was the second interception where he's throwing that seam route to the right side of the field, and he lets it go before the receivers even thought of looking for the ball. He just wants that ball out of his hands. Now, maybe he's trying to take advantage of what he saw in the secondary, but there's an underneath defender reading his eyes but he was throwing that seam route as quickly as possible to get that ball out of his hand. It was the same with the, the final interception late in the game when they had a chance to perhaps take the lead, hit his drop, ball came out immediately, and the corner was right there sort of waiting on it, that curl flat defender. So it seems like the pressure that the Packers were starting to put on him, you know, it was starting to speed up his internal clock a little bit, and it led to some of these turnovers. Now, whether you think that's too a throw in the game or where I sit, it's a situation where, I'm always of the mindset, Bill, that pressure is productive. Even if you don't get home on a quarterback, say, in a play in the first quarter, if you keep getting near him, if you keep sort of pressuring him, that's going to speed the quarterback's internal clock up. He's going to start getting the ball out quicker and quicker. So even if you're not getting home for sacks, those pressures mount up. It's like the boxer, those body blows in the first couple of rounds, they start to wear on that opponent. It's the same thing with the quarterback. You pressure him early in the game, it's going to lead to a sped-up internal clock and some opportunities late in the game for interceptions. Uh, I want to get back into the rest of the NFC. Now uh, they're changing. They're going to Carson Wentz over Taylor Heine Tyler Heineke. Give me your thoughts there because Carson Wentz, is he the better quarterback? Is he the way, the way to go as far as trying to get a couple of wins out of the commanders? Obviously the Packers need the commanders to lose and the Packers to win to get themselves in the postseason. I mean, he's the more talented quarterback than Taylor Heineke. I mean, I think if you're just sort of studying them 
on our traits-based examination and just looking at, you know, arm talent, athleticism, things like that, you know, Wentz is the more talented of the two. Obviously, one was drafted in the top of the first round, the other one undrafted. But I, I think this is also a nod towards Heineke had started to turn the ball over. He had started to sort of press a little bit, try a little bit too much to make things happen, some fumbles, some interceptions. And Washington is in a scenario now where they have almost no margin for error. They have to play clean football. They have to win out. And, you know, they can get in, you know, all the sort of scenarios. There are There is at least one or two pathways where they can get in with just, you know, one win out of the last two weeks. But they've got to play clean football. Heineke has not done that in recent weeks. And Wentz is perhaps an opportunity to get back to doing that. Now, whether that actually happens, of course, is the ultimate question because we've seen from Wentz Yes, there are times when he plays mistake-free football and he can guide his team to some wins. But he, too, is prone to pressing, trying to do too much, trying to create too much, trying to play some hero ball where, you know, he starts throwing into triple coverage and he gets his teams into trouble. And, you know, people point to the fact that, oh, you know, last year with the Colts, just seven interceptions. But when you see some of those, it's an issue of him trying to do too much. When you have to win games and you need to sort of, you know, find a way to lead your team to victories to get into the playoffs. Does Wentz rein that in, or do we see him start to force throws again? So I, I think he's the more talented quarterback, but whether this decision pans out or not ultimately depends on which version of Wentz you're going to get. Talking with uh, Mark Schofield of SB Nation going through the NFL, the uh, the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. Now the question is, who's going to take that job? A lot of people talking about Sean Sean Payton possibly wanting to go there, maybe not because of Russell Wilson. I can't imagine a coach saying, I don't want a job because of a quarterback that they have and what they're tied to. But then again, if you know you're not going to have any success and ultimately going to be fired, I mean, the money's guaranteed, but the smirch on the record may not be. And Slate, or Sean uh, Payton could probably go anywhere he wants to go at the end of the season. How do you see all that playing out in uh, in Denver with uh, Russell Wilson just playing an awful, awful season? Yeah, and, you know, there's been some thought since the Hackett fire, and even really before that, that, you know, maybe even though the finances are what they are, Denver might just have to sort of swallow the medicine and move on potentially with sort of a post-June first designation. It'd still be a big cap hit, you know, in the next two seasons and it really sort of limit what they can do. But the version of Russell Wilson we've seen this year, and frankly, during the end of his time in Seattle, probably not the quarterback that you really want to move forward with. You know, maybe the money is just such that they're going to have to try to make it work next year and then try to give themselves an out when it's a tiny bit more manageable. Now, the thing that really I'm I'm wondering about, you know, we see so often organizations, they they hire in cycles, right? You have a defensive-minded coach, you move on from him, you hire an offensive-minded coach. You move on from that, you go back to the defensive side of the ball. We've seen Vic Fangio, the defensive-minded coach. Now we've got Nathaniel Hackett, who's the offensive-minded guy coming in. They move on from him. Do they go back to the defensive side of the ball? There are some candidates there. Their own defensive coordinator is certainly going to be the mix because he's built one of the league's best defenses this year in Denver. Now, he apparently was approached to be the interim head coach, and he decided to turn that down and focus on the defense. You know, maybe he becomes their head coach next year. Maybe not. Maybe it's a a Dan Quinn. Um, You know, Demeco Ryans, for example, in San Francisco, another name that's going to be in part of that head coaching hiring cycle. So maybe they go defensive. Maybe they go offensive yet again. You know, there are some names that will be out there that, you know, perhaps will be in the mix. Same Shane Steichen, for example, in Philadelphia. Maybe it's too early for him. There might be some other offensive-minded coaches. But the big decision is Wilson. Do you ride it out another year with him and hope you can sort of fix him? 
The ownership has said that that's what they believe. The general manager has said that they can, you know, get to where they need to with Russell Wilson. That's the big question. Can you get enough out of him to justify the big contract next year? Or do they decide, look, this is just not working. We'll take our medicine and move on and just absorb the cap hit and the numbers are what they are. Uh, real quick before I let you go, obviously Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, all right there in the AFC. Baltimore right now without Lamar Jackson, who probably going to miss this week. They've already announced that Tua will not play this week. Miami sitting in the seventh seed right now. Chargers now are in. Give me your thoughts on the way the AFC is shaken up. And they've got a big game with Bill Belichick coming up this week as well, as uh, he absolutely positively has to get a win to remain in the hunt for a, a postseason. Otherwise, you could find the Patriots on the outside looking in. I think it's ludicrous that people actually suggest that Bill Belichick be replaced, but that is some of the rumblings going on right now because they're not used to losing in New England. Give me, give me your thoughts in the AFC right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of frustration in New England with what you've seen from that team this season, what you've seen particularly from the offense. There are rumblings that, you know, the Mike Patricia experiment as offensive coordinator, de facto offensive coordinator, sort of resulted in a regression from Mac Jones, who has not looked anything like the quarterback we saw last year. And there are certainly discussions already about perhaps Bill O'Brien coming back as offensive coordinator for next season. There's a bit of a relationship there between the two because Mac Jones helped O'Brien when he first came to Alabama, sort of taught him that Crimson Tide playbook. And, but it has set up for the Patriots, again, you know, the, the Tua injury, certainly a scary situation, but now they're going to get to go get Teddy Bridgewater. This week they get Buffalo next week. Buffalo could theoretically clinch home field advantage this week. It would take a Kansas City loss to Denver, but, you know, there's a chance that Buffalo is not really – doesn't have much to play for next week. Maybe it's a slim chance, but there's a chance. So it's actually set up, despite all of these struggles, rather well for the Patriots to somehow get in as the seventh seed. Of course, they haven't played well. You know, you have the meltdown at the end of the game against the Raiders. You fought back to get into a position to win that game against Cincinnati, but you have a fumble. They're struggling on offense. The defense is great, but can you get enough out of the offense in the quarterback position? But it has set up well for them to perhaps sneak in after all. Good stuff as always, Mark. We all certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again next week, and we'll have one more week left before we hit the postseason. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Can't wait, Bill. Always fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We'll talk next week. Happy New Year to you and yours. I was just going to say, have a great Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Bill. There you go. There you go. Mark Schofield uh, of SB Nation joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I love going out throughout the entire NFL with him. There's so much in the NFL to talk about. You know, uh, the, the the big question in Denver is, is Russell Wilson just a mess? And is Seattle, for what they, they got for, for him, and probably knowing that he was starting to fall off the table, I mean, because Russell Wilson was always at his best when he was in scramble mode. You know, he was making things happen with both his legs and his arm. Now his arm and the accuracy and the strength seemingly gone. And is it because Nathaniel Hackett and the offense and they can't get on the same page? Or is it because Russell Wilson has just flat out fallen off the table? Just just, just hit the wall as a quarterback in the National Football League. And that's the big question out there. Obviously, you got a lot of questions going on over in the AFC as well. Everything pretty much locked up. you got the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals. Baltimore Ravens, uh, the Chargers are all right there. Jacksonville still fighting. Dolphins still fighting. New England still fighting. The Jets are still fighting. A lot of the Tennessee, Pittsburgh still all at seven and eight on the season, trying to get themselves in 
to the postseason. The last couple of weeks are going to be relatively exciting when it comes down to the the very uh, end of all of this. And then you go to the NFC, obviously what's going on with Seattle and Detroit and Green Bay. And if Green Bay wins out, can the Commanders lose one more? And the Packers then find themselves as the seventh seed going in, playing the Minnesota Vikings of at U.S. Bank Stadium and Wild Card Weekend. And, oh, my goodness, could that possibly happen? I mean, so many things to think about, and it's it's incredibly exciting. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Uh, we got some uh, NFL PA news when we come back. Uh, we'll get back into the question of the day, as some of you – uh, are really pissed, really pissed uh, when you start talking about some fans wanting the Packers not to make it to the postseason for the reasons that they have and others saying that you're absolutely crazy, wanting them to get to the postseason. We've got a lot to discuss in that realm. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Skipper Buds. And I know you're not thinking about, you know, probably a, a boat right now, but you start now that we get past the new year. And also, by the way, uh, the days are going to start getting a little bit longer, which is nice. Nice. We've already gone through that rough stretch where the days are, you know, 430. All of a sudden it's dark out. Now you start thinking about the summer and what the summer could possibly bring. Could it bring, say, you know, a yacht, pontoon, sport and deck boat, fishing boat, jet boat, whatever it happens to be? Yes, the best in water sports right there at Skipper Buds. Cruisers, Four Winds, Mastercraft, Tyga, Scarab, Starcraft. They have a lot of different deals going on right now if you check out their Facebook page as well. But you get a hold of my buddy Todd. You call him, 262-544-1200. 262-544-1200. You say, hey, look, I'm looking for a boat for the upcoming year. Maybe I'm thinking about trading mine in right now when the snow and the ice is all right here. And not a lot of people are thinking about summer. This is the best time to buy, believe it or not. The best time to buy. Call them, 262-544-1200. That's 262-544-1200. That is our friends from Skipper Buds. We'll be back with your phone calls and news coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. So today I want to show you this uh, because this is, I don't know if you can see it on the Bud Light live stream. There it is. That is my uh, quick rewards app. So right now, my quick reward, uh, if I stop in, I'm going to get myself a junior cheeseburger for free or a chicken sandwich for free because I've had so many visits. And right now I still have the fuel discount of 20 cents off per gallon that is good through the remainder of the week. So I still have that, and I'm going to fill my car up before I go to Green Bay uh, coming up on Sunday, so I'll probably do that over the next day or so. But that that's just it, taking a look at it. Just there it is. There you go. That's a better view. There you have it. That is, uh, that's Quick Trip, man. That's fantastic. Not only do they get involved locally with a lot of different teams and sports and such and different sponsorships, but they give back. They give you back. And, you know, in today's day and age, you're driving down the street and all of a sudden gas went back up. It was down to like 259 at one point. Now it's 279 again. And I'm thinking, where'd the 259 go? So I was kind of waiting, hoping it would drop, hoping it would drop. But if it doesn't, I still am only going to pay 259 a gallon. Why? 
because I have that 20 cents off. I bought uh, I did their combo pack. I bought a breakfast sandwich and a can of Red Bull. <laughs> I'll take that. Fill my car up, 20 cents a gallon. You better believe it. Hell yeah, I'll take that. I got my money back. That's what Quick Trip does. Good stuff from our friends over there at Quick Trip and a, a proud supporter uh, of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. So thanks to our friends at Quick Trip for being a part of the program. Don't forget, when you go in, download the app and, and, and put in your quick rewards number. It's your phone number. You type it in every time you go to the pump. You type it in every time you pay, and you're good to go. That's our friends over there at Quick Trip. The NFLPA initiated a joint review yesterday into the application of concussion protocol with the Dolphins quarterback, Tua. Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, here's the, here's the, the, the whole issue I have with this. Okay. And I just kind of want to pause here for a second. When Tua went down the week prior to the Bengals game and he got hit and he got up and he was wobbly. I mean, wobbly. And you saw it. I saw it. Ben saw it. Everybody saw it. Dude was concussed. They said, no, 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 he's fine. It's only his back. He was having back spasms. No, he wasn't. Back spasms make you walk funny. Like maybe, you know, you look like either your back's hurting or your lower whatever, or you really got to poop. One of, the, one of the three. You know, you're like, oh, my God. You know, that's the way back spasms look. He looked like he was a boxer that was out on his feet. Then they put him back in the game. He played the game. Comes out. The next week, no concussion protocol. He's fine, they say. He goes into Cincinnati, gets hit, thrown to the turf. Now, granted, he got thrown to the turf. But he get it, so his head hits the turf again, and then he's doing the 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 West Side Boys gang sign. He's like all locked up, you know, from another concussion. He's had two concussions, pretty severe looking concussions, within a matter of about four days. Okay, there's an effect there. There's no doubt. But after that, he should have been the most protected, most watched, most medically governed quarterback in the National Football League at that point. Because the NFL, uh, the Dolphins, everybody knew they were under the scrutiny, right? So they have they, they got rid of the old doctor, brought in a new doctor, they brought in a concussion protocol specialist, the whole thing. Now everybody wants to blame the NFL again, again, for not doing the right thing. I have said it before, I'll say it again. Unless players are willing to come to you consistently and say, I need help. I don't feel right. Something isn't right with me. There is this innate ability for players to say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, man. And look the other way, walk away, walk around, show everybody they're okay. But even though inside you know you're not, it's called competitive spirit, right? You, you can't get around that. But you also can't then blame the NFL and the team and his offensive linemen. They didn't know. They didn't know. Running backs didn't know. Coordinator didn't know. They're all sitting with him on the bench. They were all asked, was he slurring his words? Is he, you know, now they're, they're not saying specifics what's going on. But everybody knew. Everybody looked at him and said, no, he's, he's good to go. Not a problem. So, I, you know, now they want to put this big investigation together. And, and that's fine. You can do that. But it's like you're on a witch hunt. And really what you should be saying is, is like going back to the players saying, look, if you do have any issues, you need to at least say, hey, doc, I got this. Hey, doc, I got that. And let the doc decide, you know, and if you're fine, you're like, no, I'm really okay, but I want to let you know, then you're fine. Go, go play. 
But every time somebody goes down, every time there's a concussion, everybody, every time there's something that looks even moderately inappropriate, they always want to blame somebody. Sometimes you just need to look in the mirror. Educate your own. Don't start the witch hunt. That's just my thought. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free. 877-867-1670. Um, Thomas says the four-time MVP is uh, is here for another year. He is getting playing time with the young receivers. They are still alive for the playoffs. It is what it is. That's from Thomas. Uh, Tom, also, you're right. Help us help you. That should be what it is. That that should we be what it is. Um. This one uh, says, uh, Jay Qualls, I agree. I am a lifelong Green Bay fan, and I want to see what Jordan Love has in the tank knowing our 2022 season is done. So as a lifelong fan, you'd rather see them tank and play Jordan Love than make it to the postseason. Why? Here's my next question. Other than because you don't need to make a decision on Jordan Love this offseason. You can just say, hey, we're going to bring him back for another year. We're going to exercise the option on that on that contract. We're going to bring him back for another year. What is the necessity? Somebody please explain to me the necessity, the the must-see TV for Jordan Love. You know? Tell me what it is. Tell me. I, 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 I implore anybody out there to make an argument. That, and he says, well, and get our teeth knocked in by the 49ers? Who cares? First of all, why is it going to be the 49ers? If you win and get in, could you still not end up facing the uh, the Minnesota Vikings? Right now, the Vikings are the two seed. You would go in as the seventh, which means you would be facing the Minnesota Vikings up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Chuck says, uh, it was just a quick trip. Hot chocolate, two corn dogs. Gas in a car wash, I paid uh, $1.60 per gallon for gas with various discounts. Nice. Oh, Chuck. Score! Score! There you go. Good stuff. I, I don't understand. So my my question to you is, okay, to get your teeth, teeth kicked in by the 49ers. Well, you're talking about playoff football, experience football for the young guys. Aaron Rodgers means that they're still getting in sync and they're still doing things, good things together, heading down the stretch, going into the postseason as one of the hotter football teams. Your young guys defensively get another year of experience under their uh, uh, seasoning of uh, postseason experience under their belt. And all you want to do is tank because you want to see what Jordan Love has. Does that even begin to make sense? Does that even begin to make sense? Um, All Sports says the Vikings are going to kill Green Bay 31-20. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe we're talking about all of this for nothing. Maybe the Packers streak and this, this run comes to an end on Sunday. You could be right. We said it was almost impossible for them to win out. And I have I've felt, and, and you know what? We're going to make our picks tonight on the, the uh, on the huddle. We'll make our picks tonight. But we, we you know, my my argument, and I'm probably going to pick Minnesota. They're a better team. They're a higher scoring team. Packers defensively haven't shown the consistency throughout to say they can stop them. But the Packers' offenses look better, and you've got one of the worst scoring defenses in the National Football League in the Minnesota Vikings coming to town. Uh, he says, uh, proactive thinking, not reactive. How is it being proactive? Because you want to see a couple of games of Jordan Love, that's it? 
Again, the only person you you want to see him, the Packers know what they have. The only thing you're doing is seeing whether or not he can win and showing his wares to another team. That's it. That's it. Otherwise, if the Packers don't know what they have by now, then shame on the Green Bay Packers. But that's it. You want to see him. As a fan, you want to see what he has. That's it. 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. we got more after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The other day on Monday and over at uh, the uh, the big sledding hill that they have. But the Lux Golf Bays were open and uh, right there in Franklin. If you want to get a group together, especially as the weather has warmed up here quite a bit, you can you get hot up in those golf bays. Man, they, you do. They uh, they put some new heaters in over there because, you know, we got Wisconsin winners. Right. And you still want to you know get your swings in. Oof, those golf bays were hot. It was like the sun beating down on you. It's good stuff. Uh, head over to the Lux Golf Bays. Go to LuxGolfBays.com and schedule your uh, time in one of the bays, whether it's yourself individually or a group or maybe an outing, uh, you know, something to, you know, with like a bunch of friends or maybe, a, a, you know, kind of a team building event for your work. LuxGolfBays.com. That is LuxGolfBays.com located right there in Franklin, Wisconsin. We were there. We did a show there when they first opened. Beautiful, beautiful golf bays. And they... Uh, they still send the uh, little sweeper out to, you know, pick up all the golf balls and all that kind of stuff, even in the snow. So uh, they're open year-round. So LuxGolfBays.com, L-U-X-E, LuxGolfBays.com. That's LuxGolfBays.com. Uh, 877-867-1670. find us, do it. Uh, this is from Brady who says, what are we doing trying to tank games? The draft is a crapshoot. And who are we really putting, who are we really putting Jordan Love out there for? Question mark. Got to win when you get the chance. That is from Brady. Brady, appreciate the uh, appreciate the tweet. Uh, this is from Andrew, who writes uh, in the email inbox. Says, hey, unit, I've never been a big fan of Joe Barry. Uh, does Joe Barry get fired at the end of the year? The only thing I can see is if they keep winning, Joe Barry has the, has the question capability of coming back. Um, and this is another one uh, from John and Howard, who says, what did Joe Barry do different against the Dolphins? All I saw was great individual effort by Reed Douglas Campbell. And a gift to Alexander. That's John and Howard. Uh, they went. To, they kind of got out of that Miller soft zone defense that they play, where they put to the inside linebackers. They kind of rotate them outward. They kept them in the middle more often. They did mix up some of the coverages. They did bring pressure in different areas. Um, it's some things that you didn't normally see. It wasn't like it was a drastic change, but you did see different things going on in that ball game, and they also. The, uh, the fact that, uh, you're right, there were better efforts in, in the second. So, in other words, here's the thing, okay? So, so, John, this is what I'm saying. So, if all you saw was better effort, think about that for a minute. If all you saw was better effort out of Jerron Reed and Rasul Douglas and Campbell and such, okay, if you saw better effort, then would that not indicate that, okay, it's just the players, it's not the scheme? Think about that. That's what you're saying is that, well, it's just the players. Okay, so that means Joe Barry's scheme's fine. It's just the players and individuals themselves. There were some things that they did different. You know, 877-867-1670. Um, 
What else do we have? Uh, this is from uh, Joe. Joe, uh, Joe brings up a good point. He said, you know, with all the arguing about the defense and Joe Barry, if they do play better and this team does begin to win and shut down some of the better offenses, a la this weekend against the Minnesota Vikings, does Joe Barry then get a second look from the fans? Last year, the defense wasn't that bad, and certainly in the postseason did not cost them the game. It was all the offense. Where do we actually put the blame? Should it be more on Matt LaFleur, or should it indeed be on Joe Barry? Um, no, I, I think we've seen enough throughout this season where um, this defense, if you want to call it not aggressive and you know, kind of sitting back, the death by a thousand cuts mode, that's been something that's been unbelievably frustrating. Right? I think we can all agree on that. Unbelievably frustrating. And it comes from the scheme and or philosophy that they play. I don't think we're wrong there. I think you and I have seen it all throughout the season, and it's something that you can legitimately say, this, this doesn't work. It, you know, it, it, either you don't have the personnel to be able to play that or it just simply doesn't work, one of the two, okay? Um, but <laughs> you're right. You're 100% correct. Last year during the postseason, for everybody that wants to get on the Joe Barry and I hate you bandwagon, wait a minute, it was that defense that cost them that game. It was special teams and the ineptitude of the offense. The offensive line got pieced back together. You thought everything, because guys are healthy, it was going to be real again, and it wasn't. It was it was a facade. Aaron Rodgers was under pressure. Mercedes Lewis, uh, or excuse, yeah, Mercedes Lewis ends up fumbling the football. You saw Aaron Jones uh, have to shoulder the burden after A.J. Dillon went down with an injury in that game. You saw basically they said, hey, we're going to double and triple team Devontae Adams and you're going to have to go everywhere else. And Rodgers didn't. He focused on Devontae Adams and was still throwing into double and triple coverage at times. And so they, they had all that offense that was running through running through Devontae. And then obviously, you know, like I would mentioned, the special teams, which were so horrific all throughout the season, reared their ugly head yet again. And not only did they take points off the board, but they, they gave San Francisco points as well, and ultimately cost them that game. It wasn't the de- the defense didn't give up more, anything more than a touchdown. That was it. I don't even think the defense gave up a touchdown. Now that I think about it, it was the blocked punt in, that went into uh, the end zone that they scored on was the touchdown. The defense played played well. So I, I mean, I understand, and it's I still think that Joe Barry is not the right guy for this. I just don't. But I'm not going to sit here and just blow out Joe Barry because of last year in the postseason because he had nothing to do with it. The defense last year was actually decent. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, do it. Uh, let's go to Mike listening to us in Rockford. Mike, welcome to the program, man. What's going on? Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Good today. Uh, Bill, listen to me. You know, I'm I'm kind of a guy that looks at the glass half empty uh, in my whole life. I'm more of a pessimist. I should be more optimistic, I suppose. Um, but you know, the Packers, um, even when they won all the divisions and they were 13 and three and 15 and one, and you know, they found ways to choke. However, you want it. Like you're just talking about it a minute ago. It wasn't. It was one year at special teams. One year at defense. Uh, you know, and, it, and and we can go around in circles. Now, is it possible that they get in and it's a it's a replay of 2010? I mean, that would be like the Cinderella story, wouldn't it be? If if, mm-hmm. if the Packers right. could somehow just get in and then run the table and win it all, because they have the roster, in my opinion, to do it. 
What's different about this, though, is their defense is not playing. Now, that first half of the Dolphins game, the defense looked absolutely horrible. I mean, Mostert was running all over them, and I forget how many yards that, that Waddle and Hill had, but it was unbelievable. And then the second half, they made some adjustments. But the Packers couldn't score in the second half. They scored on the mishaps the Christmas gifts that Tua gave them, which if you put a nine-year-old grandma out there, she would have caught the ball. Okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't, I'm not taking anything away from the Packers, but I'm scared going into this, just their defense, and you're talking about Joe Barry. I'm worried about the defense, uh, Bill. I'm concerned uh, when they get, if they should get into the playoffs, will they will they have enough to, for the defense to play these upper echelon teams that have high-scoring offenses? And, and I got one more question for you, and then I'm going to hang up and listen, Bill. Sure. Everybody's saying that this is this game is a given with the Vikings, okay? Um, I hate the Bears more than I hate the Vikings because I live down in the Chicago area. But I don't I don't like the Vikings either. Um, but I don't know how everybody is just saying this is a give-me game. Like this big, everybody already thinks the Packers are going to win. And i got to tell you, the Vikings have something to play for. And somehow they seem to pull a rabbit out of their hat. Like all these one-point wins, right. like – they get lucky, Bill. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it, but they don't. It's it's amazing how they just seem to to find a way to win. Uh, and I and I do believe that the Vikings are a one and done team. I don't think they're going to go anywhere in the postseason. I think they're one and done for sure. But what what is your is uh, what's your feeling about this game? I mean, do you think the do you think they're going to blow the Vikings out, or do you think it's going to be close? I mean, uh, do you are you giving the Vikings any chance to win? Because oh yeah, I, no, I I I firmly believe. I appreciate the phone call. Um, I firmly believe it's going to be a close game. I, I really do, which scares me because the Vikings are a team that figures out ways to win, especially if they have the ball last, and they've been very very good at. It. Let me do this. I'll take a break. I'll come back and I'll give you some more thoughts on that, and go back to the game with Miami and some of the thoughts in that area. As well, a lot to get to, a lot of stuff to kind of chew on right there. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers holding practice to install the game plan for a rematch against the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday, 325 here at Lambeau Field. The Packers have been relatively healthy on the defensive line this season, but yesterday came word that Dean Lowry will be moved to IR after suffering a calf muscle injury against Miami. That ends a streak of 101 consecutive games played in by Lowry. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers was on the McAfee show and talked about some teammates he thinks deserve more recognition, including Alan Lazard, Turner Keyshawn Nixon and tight end Mercedes Lewis. I mentioned this is the third guy I mentioned, right? You, and we talked about Allen, we talked about Keyshawn, we talked about Big Dog. I talked a lot of this year about competitive greatness and what that actually means to me and what I think it means. And those are three guys that you can always count on. The Vikings' Justin Jefferson has set another team record, this time for most yards in a season with over 1,600, set by Randy Moss. It's, it's very difficult to, to uh, I mean, be in conversation with him, uh, break the records that he has set, um, and, and to, to actually do it, uh, being close last year, uh, it's definitely a God's blessing. And the Packers are listed as three-and-a-half-point favorites to beat the Vikings this Sunday. Green Bay has won three games in a row. Matt Lofl- We needed to keep going. Certainly we've got a tough challenge that lies right in front of us going against the Vikings. It's one of the most explosive offenses in the league. they got playmakers, obviously, Adam Hawkinson definitely brings another dynamic to that team. And 
and their ability to run the football with Delvin Cook, and I think Kirk's having a hell of a year. And then, you know, it's not just Justin, but obviously Jefferson is a problem. I mean, he's legit number one, and you could argue he's as good as anybody in the league right now. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. The voice of the Packers is going to be joining us. We'll be talking with him. Here's one thing to think about. The, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, and going back to my question uh, that was posed to me, was, what do I think about this weekend? Um, the Minnesota Vikings give up 24.9 points per game. That's fifth worst in the National Football League. 24.9 points per game. Awful. Terrible. Not good. Not good at all. Um, the one thing that uh, if you want to look at uh, the other aspect of this, uh, you can also look at the Minnesota Vikings. For all the division leaders, they are 12-3 and three on the season. They are only plus five in point differential. Plus five. San Francisco plus 145. Philadelphia plus 137. Kansas City plus 106. Cincinnati plus 85. Buffalo plus 157. They're plus five. They're winning these one-score games. Good teams have to figure out ways to win. So I I agree. Good teams have to figure out ways to win, and that's what the Vikings have been doing. Um, But they can be scored on. The one thing you don't want to have is the Vikings with the ball in their hand with a tie game or within reach as the final seconds wind down because they've been so good at coming back. Going back, though, to the comment that well, Mostert was running all over this team. Mostert, uh, if you look at, at the overall effort in the first half of that ball game against Miami, Mostert, four carries, 33 yards. I agree. Look, his longest carry was 17 yards. He was averaging over eight yards a carry. Uh, Wilson had five carries for 25 yards. They'd already racked up 58 yards running the football in the first half of that game. Tua had a touchdown pass in 229 yards. I mean, he was averaging you know, almost 20 yards a pass play. He had an 84-yard touchdown pass to Waddle. He had a 52-yard pass down the seam to to Tariq Hill. He had a 24-yard pass to Desecchi. You know, so they already had some big plays. I agree, in the first half of that ballgame, that defense looked terrible. Terrible. But by the time the end of the game rolled around, Things had settled down. Remember, two only threw for like 70 yards in the second half of that game. Mostert ran the ball four more times, but only for about five more yards. You know, so the Packers did some things that changed the end of that ball game and changed in the second half of that ball game. And it wasn't just the fact that Tua threw it away. I mean, Mostert wasn't running the ball like he was. Wilson wasn't running the ball like he was. They shut down that run game. They played better. I agree. Coming up next, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larrabee, is going to join us. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michaels Show. Two down, two more to go right after this.